Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, April 4th. In today's news, Ethiopian authorities say their pilot followed proper procedure, but it didn't stop his Boeing plane from going down anyway. Joe Biden says he'll do better as more women come forward, and Mitch McConnell changes the rules of the Senate again. But first, the big idea. Members of special counsel Bob Mueller's team have told associates that they are frustrated with the limited information that Attorney General Bill Barr has provided about their investigation. The displeasure among some who worked on the closely held inquiry has quietly begun to surface in the 11 days since Barr released a four-page letter to Congress describing what he said were the principal conclusions of Mueller's still confidential 400-page report. Members of Mueller's team have complained to close associates that the evidence they gathered on obstruction was alarming and significant. One person said, quote, it was much more acute than Barr suggested. The New York Times first reported last night that some of the special counsel's investigators feel Barr didn't adequately portray their findings. My colleagues Alan Nakashima, Carol Lennig, and Ross Helderman were able to confirm this from their sources around 11.30 p.m. Two people familiar with the reactions of people on the Mueller team tell the Post that some members of the office were particularly disappointed that Barr didn't release summary information the special counsel team had prepared, especially related to obstruction of justice. The summaries were written so that they could be publicly released in their own words, not in Barr's summary. Mueller's team assumed that that was going to be what was made public. A spokesman for Barr declined to comment. It's not yet clear if Mueller's full investigative findings will be released publicly. Barr told Congress last week that he's aiming to submit a redacted version of the report by mid-April after removing classified and grand jury material, as well as, and here's the rub, damaging information about people who were not charged with crimes. That, of course, would include the president. Meanwhile, the Democratic chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richie Neal from Massachusetts, last night asked the IRS for six years of Trump's personal and business tax returns, guaranteeing a drawn-out legal battle with the president's team. Trump says that the government is not going to turn them over to the legislative branch. But Trump's New York-based accounting firm said it will respond to a request for 10 years' worth of records related to its work with the president if it receives a subpoena. Congressional Democrats said that will be forthcoming. Meanwhile, Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has been identified as the senior White House official whose security clearance was denied last year because of concerns about his susceptibility to foreign influence, private business interests, and his personal conduct. Kushner was identified only as senior White House official number one in documents released this week describing the testimony of Trisha Newbold, a whistleblower in the White House's personnel security office, who said she and another career employee determined that Kushner had too many significant disqualifying factors, her words, to receive a clearance. Then the president ordered that he be given one anyway. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one. Ethiopian authorities say that the pilot on the doomed Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 performed Boeing's recommended procedures, but that he was unable to stop the plane from nosediving anyway. Now, the African government is instructing the American manufacturer to review the flight control system of all its 737 MAX 8 aircraft. In Addis Ababa today, the transportation administrator said 
that the preliminary report into the crash shows that the aircraft's flight control system contributed to the crash six minutes after takeoff. Like the Indonesian MAX 8 aircraft that went down in October, attention in the Ethiopian crash has been zeroed in on a flight control system known as the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, or MCIS. That system pushes the nose of the aircraft down to avoid mid-air stalls. While the transportation minister never mentioned MCAS by name during the news conference, despite repeated questions from journalists, her comments suggest that the system was activated during the flight and the pilots weren't able to use Boeing's methods to disable it. Amid reports that a foreign object might have damaged one of the plane's sensors upon takeoff, the head of the investigation said that the information from the data recorders does not indicate that happened. The Ethiopians say a full report will be completed within a year of the crash. Number two, Joe Biden promised to adjust his physical behavior as more women came forward with accounts of inappropriate behavior, bringing the total number of such alleged encounters to seven. Biden addressed critics in a video recorded on a cell phone that he posted to Twitter as three additional women told The Washington Post on Wednesday about encounters that made them feel personally uncomfortable. Even as Biden acknowledged shifting social norms and promised to be more respectful of people's personal space, he defended his style and did not offer an apology. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, and I'll meet it. But I'll always believe governing, quite frankly, life for that matter, is about connecting, about connecting with people. That won't change. The most recent encounter described to the Post took place in 2016. Sophie Koresik was part of a group of 51 sexual assault victims who appeared on stage at the Oscars with Lady Gaga. Biden had introduced the singer's performance. Koresik said that she met Biden after the ceremony and told him that she was thinking about a college student who had been sexually assaulted and then had recently died by suicide. Biden responded by clasping her hands and leaning down to place his forehead against hers. She said she appreciated the vice president's support, but also felt awkward and uncomfortable that his gesture left their faces inches apart. Overnight, another woman from the Lake Tahoe area of California said that Biden inappropriately touched her while she worked in his Senate office. Alexandra Tara Reed told the Sierra Sun that in 1993, she was in her mid-20s when Biden, then a senator from Delaware, touched her several times in ways that made her deeply uncomfortable. She says he used to put his hand on her shoulder and then rub his finger up her neck. She says she would freeze and wait for him to stop. Reed also says that her responsibilities in the senator's office were reduced after she refused to serve drinks during an event. She says Biden wanted her to serve drinks because he liked her long legs. Number three, Republicans unilaterally changed the rules of the Senate to accelerate the confirmation of Trump's lower level nominees marking the latest demise of another significant governing norm. Under the previous rules, 30 hours of debate were required for those nominees after they had cleared a procedural vote. Now, they only will get two hours of formal debate before a final confirmation roll call. In changing the rules, Republicans accused Democrats of trying to block the formation of Trump's administration and the federal judiciary by dragging out the confirmation of non-controversial nominees to create gridlock. Democrats countered that Trump, in conjunction with Mitch McConnell, has jammed the Senate with a set of historically unqualified nominees. They also say that Trump broke with traditions of previous administrations of both parties by not consulting with senators from the other side on appointments or honoring blue slips. 
All but two Republicans supported McConnell's power play. Susan Collins from Maine and Mike Lee from Utah voted against the leader. The Senate tradition of unlimited debate dates to 1806. Then-Vice President Aaron Burr started and codified it. This was one of the things that made the upper chamber so special. It's why the Senate used to be called the world's greatest deliberative body. But with 33 minutes of procedural maneuvering, McConnell undid 213 years of Senate history. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, April 4th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.